Well, welcome. Uh, this is God Conversations, and I'm so glad you're here. My name is Brian Hayes. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here at Wildwood, and um, it just thrills my heart um, to see a handful of people out here that are interested in improving on their God Conversations. Um, so whether you're tuning in online, I know there's some small groups that are joining us uh, around the state, actually. I heard from one that they wanted to do this as their small group curriculum. I think that's awesome. So uh, shout out to you all. Thanks for, for joining in. Some of you might be uh, tuning in later on a, on a, on a podcast uh, that you might be checking this out. So uh, really appreciate you spending the time and the investment on in, improving your God conversations. And I hope we can provide some encouragement to you in that. I really, in seeing this group and everything, it gives me great hope for the mission of the church uh, and what God's going to do in and through this. And it's also a little bit, um, isn't it a little bit ironic that we, we are all here as a result of people who had God conversations with us? True? So... Who are some of those people who had memorable God, you had memorable God's conversations with? We're going to do this little thing called popcorn where you just raise your hand and it's not testimony time. It's just name you know, or my mom or a school teacher or a coach or that's what I'm looking for. So it could be more than one, but give me, give me one. Anne. Big sister. Chris. Camp counselor. Camp counselor. Excellent. Kenny. Friend. Friend. Co worker. Keep going. Shout out. Parents. Parents. Excellent. Sunday school teacher. Christian radio. Christian radio. Excellent. Students. Students. Thanks, Katie. This is fun. James. Grandmother. Grandmother. Me too. We got room for one more. <laughs> one more. God conversations with you. Anyone else? You can answer it the second time. Somebody else shared. Youth pastor. We got pastor. Pastor finally showed up. With the <laughs> okay. Yeah, they, you know. Uh, hey, thank you. This is quite a list, isn't it? And it's not, it, it does, all my friends over here, I love you all. 
Thank you for coming. Um, this doesn't represent all the people that shared Christ with you, but it re- represents a pretty good smorgasbord, doesn't it? Aren't you thankful for them <laughs> and the others? I just wanted to open tonight, and I'm, I, I, there's not anything weird with me, like laying hands on this or anything, but I just want to pray and thank God for these people in your life. Can we do that as we open? And as we get to that, feel free to just jump in there and just pray for that person by name, okay? Here we go. Lord, I am so grateful um, for these, these, this group, for those online that are watching, for those in the podcast that are naming names and thinking of people that shared the gospel with them. And these here who are recalling conversations who brought the truth of your word and the hope and salvation that comes through Jesus to their ears. Lord, we're all here as a result of their faithfulness. Understanding it was the power of the Spirit that, that wooed each of us to yourself, but, but Lord, Lord you, you used the messengers, the mouthpieces of sisters, counselors, friends and co-workers and parents and Sunday school teachers and the Christian radio and students and grandmothers and other pastors, Lord. You used all of these people and, and so many more to bring in a harvest of us. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for um, the words that they imparted to us and the hope that they gave us. Um, We are grateful for them. Bless them and their families. May they continue to keep speaking the truth of you and the gospel. And may we see fruit as a result of our time being here. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. By the way, if you're joining us online and you're looking to look, get the notes that we have, uh, you could email us at adultministry at wildwoodchurch.org and you could, we will send you that. You need to request for the God Conversations notes uh, for any session that you need, and then we will get that out to you. First of all, I just want to hit on some of our goals that we have. Uh, we have goals that we're going to try to go through in four weeks. This is a rapid fire. This is normally an eight-week course, uh, but we're hitting this at a fast pace. Uh, I will tell you that Mark Robinson, uh, after this class is over, there'll be a, likely there'll be a one-week break, and then Mark Robinson will be our senior pastor here at Wildwood, be leading a study on the book of Acts, and that'll be great. Um, but our goals here um, are... We want to know the gospel message, and not just what the gospel message is. We want to help encourage each of us in the sharing of it. It's one thing to have intellectual knowledge of it and say, well, I I know it. You know, I know it up here. But it's another thing to be obedient and then share it, okay, and and make it a practical application, you know, in your life. Uh, So that's one thing. And we also want to increase our burden and our passion for the lost. Uh, 
a, a friend of mine, I'm not like buddy-buddy with him, but I, I just I call him a friend because I've read many of his books, and he really encouraged me greatly in my evangelism and my training in it, uh, a friend by the name of Larry Moyer. He would say often to me, uh, in, as encouraging us to pray, that we would, we would pray that we'd have eyes for the lost, that we'd have eyes for the lost, and that God would increase our burden. Um, you know, when we think of our Savior, Jesus Christ, even in, in uh, you know, Matthew 9, as, as Jesus ran into all the crowds, and he looked out on the crowds, and remember what he said? He said this in a couple places in the Gospels, but he said he looked on the crowds and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so... Uh, I'm convicted of that, of, of not having that type of compassion sometimes when life gets busy and you've got all these things to do. But sometimes when we just step back and we just pause and realize there is, there is life eternal for all. Every person that we come in contact context with uh, is going to end up in one of two places, and that's the reality of what scripture teaches. And, but do we ever, do we pause long enough to go, this is serious business. When we have the knowledge, are we willing to risk it and share the gospel? So my hope is that we can increase our burden for the lost and also that we can get just a, a freed up attitude towards our God conversations. That we, this can be freeing, that we can say, I want to do this more. And that's, that is my hope. So um, hopefully in the four weeks that we're together, we can leave this place and we say, we can do this. We can do it. Our aim, as we have God conversations, let me get some answers from out here. What do you think our aim is? What do you think, as we have these God, what are we, what are we hoping that people will do? That likely seems pretty obvious, but what's the hope, Chris? That they'll become straight, white, cisgender Christians. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, that they would become Christians? Okay. Uh, that, that they would move towards Christ? Even the progress of that towards Christ? That they would move towards him. But ultimately that they would trust in Jesus, right? Not just a movement, but a I'm in. By the way, you may have came here and you said, Well, I thought we were just gonna talk about, you know, the edges of the fringes of God conversations. Like we weren't gonna really get to the gospel part, you know. I mean this word right here, the E word, ugh, evangelism. It's scary for a lot of people. Um, we intentionally, I think Marcy Sherman, a good friend of mine who, after years of having attendance of about four or five people in evangelism classes, she says, maybe we should change the name. <laughs> I was like, anything, what can we do? And we started having, hey, let's, we're going to have conversations about God that's going to help move people into how to share their faith. And when we changed the name, more people showed up, including you. So thank you. Thank you, Marcy. 
Um, but what is evangelism? When we, when we look at that word, it's a big word, and we, we, um, in, a, in a very simple, in a very simple um, definition, it is communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's a, that might be a little shallow. I mean, you probably know what I mean by that, but it could be just there's a lot of good things about Jesus Christ. Uh, he was a healer. He was a miracle worker. So, you know, those are good things. He did good things. So a, a better definition, and I had to reach back all the way to 1974 because I haven't found a better one. <laughs> but... Um, John Stott was a, a part of the Lausanne gathering in 1974, and this is what that group decided what evangelism was. And it says, to evangelize is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures, and that as the reigning Lord, he now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating gifts of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. Now that's a mouthful, but that gives us clear context to what evangelism is. Evangelism is not social action. Evangelism is not programs of compassion. Now, programs of compassion could easily filter in evangelism opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But the word of God and the gospel and the truth of Jesus and why he came needs to be presented for evangelism to happen. Does that make sense? Evangelism is not closing the deal. That's another thing that people think, I got to close the deal, or it didn't, you know, it didn't take. It's the telling. Okay? It's not whether we saw the fruit right then. You know, we, we start becoming fruit inspectors, you know, start looking at other people's fruit. Well, man, look at him. That's an evangelist over there. Look at him go. He's winning all these souls, you know. It's not for me. So I'm out. And that's what a lot of people do. So when we think of evangelism, you know, whose job is it? A lot of opinions on that. Whose job is it? Let me hear. Anybody? It's pastor's job. <laughs> okay. All believers. Okay. Anybody else got an answer? It's not wrong. To save, that's God's job. Okay. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is encouraging in that the heavy lifting is being done by God. He is the one doing the saving. It's not up to me. John 6, 44, no one comes to, the comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You can't arrive to God on your own. God is wooing a people for himself, and he involves us in that process as he involved these in your life 
And now you're impacting others with your life and your testimony. Praise God. I'm thankful for the sovereignty of God, that he's in control of all of that. It's not up to us. But you're right, to tell, Dick, you said this, to tell, it's, it's us. That's, it's generally the way people come to faith in Christ. I've heard stories, you know, where a person just on their own picked up a Bible, read it, and got saved. I, I believe that happens. Uh, other missionary stories will blow me away. Chris could probably tell us several that would just knock our socks off. I know. But here, generally, he uses us and our mouth or our words, even in written form. He could, but words are important. Romans 10, 14, and 15. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Uh, if you got your phone, jump, jump it out there. We are going to be looking at Scripture today. That's where we're getting all of this. This is, this is a zero in. These aren't my ideas. These are God's ideas. But Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone sent them? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. These that had God conversations with you help point you and shape you and shared the gospel with you. Praise God for that. There's a saying, you've probably heard it, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Sometimes people attribute that to St. Francis Assisi. I found contradictory arguments that he didn't ever say that, so let's not put that to him. We don't know where it came from. But how many have heard that? Raise your hand. Have heard that? That might look good on a refrigerator magnet, but it's, it's pretty poor doctrine. The gospel requires words most of the time. <laughs> I'm not going to say there's never a time, but uh, but I, I think practically speaking, you know, for m most of our cases, we need to use words. It could be a track, words on a track. It could be our mouth. It could be a, a text or a, uh, an email. But it, they require words, and it requires us, the body of Christ, doing it. That is the mechanism in which God put in place as his ambassadors, as 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. It's as though God was making his appeal through us. And you know what? He is. He is. We can't leave out the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Flip over to Matthew 28, 18 and 20. Let's look at that 
very familiar with many of you. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This wasn't just to the disciples, notice. Make disciples, go and make disciples, and then teach them everything that I told you. So if you follow this all the way, it's, it's make disciple makers. And the make part, it has to start with who Christ is and what he has done and the message of the gospel. You can't make without telling the good news of Jesus. It's, it starts there. It starts with that relationship. And we go from there. But we don't want to just stop with just, you know, I, I'm going to disciple this person. But you, if you are, and I encourage people too, somebody comes to faith in Christ, then you, you show them how to follow Christ. As I'm following Christ, follow Christ with me. But then you want, you want to help that person share Christ with others and then do the same and repeat that process. So the end product, hopefully, is disciple disciple makers and see that through. As they first time run into objections and questions, you're there with them. You know, on their maiden voyage of, of, of making another disciple, I'm with you. I've got your back. I love this quote by John Stott. By the, you know, we're speaking about the Great Commission, and this is what he says. This commission is binding upon every member of the whole church. Every Christian is called to be a witness to Christ in the particular environment in which God has placed him. Further, although the public ministry of the word is a high office, listen to this, private witness or personal evangelism has a value which in some respects surpasses even that of preaching since the message can then be adapted more personally. You hear that? Mark Robinson in the room? <laughs> he would agree. There are people that are in your circle that Mark Robinson, Brian Hayes, others, they're, they're not in our circle. They're in yours. And guess what? It's even, that gospel coming from your lips is even more attractive. There's something that happens when you get the pastor title. I haven't always had one. Just for 12 years, I've carried one. But let me tell you, there's a shift. <laughs> they expect you to, you know, you know, people have a little bit of standoffish of, oh, you're going to go Jesus on me or something. Sometimes, but I try to be careful. I try to be I, careful about their feelings, but it's, it's weirder. But here, here the body of Christ and my job as a pastor, and even, you know, uh, I say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Some people will use that as, a, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You know, that's not a requirement to share the gospel. 
the Great Commission doesn't, doesn't break that out for us and say, well, just those who have the gift of evangelism do that. In fact, as I, I've looked at this, and I'm no great scholar, but I read a lot of great scholars. Many have said that those that maybe have that gift of evangelism are often in the church as a pastor, but their primary job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So doing what we are doing right now. Um, and so that's what, we're, that's what our hope is. Now, we want to see everyone in the game the body of Christ, all of us, doing whatever we can to connect people to Christ. Let's go. Let's do this. But here we go. We got we to tackle this, right? The fear in sharing the gospel. Is fear real? Yeah. It's <laughs> a real fear. What are, some of the, what are some of the fears that we we face. Raise your hand and shout it out. Chris. It's like judgment. judgment. Yeah, for sure. Oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. You know, I don't want to be labeled. You know, what's another, what's another fear that we, that might keep us from moving forward with the gospel? And. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have the right. I didn't have ugh, that one. I knew it. Um, that's real. May not have the answer. You know, one thing uh, uh, that has helped me, and, and by the way, it's still happening. I mean, I have 12 years as a pastor. You know, occasionally I get a question in starting point. You know, uh, people are new and they're asking, and they're, you know, Sometimes we do this thing called, you know, stump the chump or bring your, <laughs> bring your big theology question. And we want to get answers. But, you know, I thought I've heard most of all of them. And sometimes you get a, you get a ringer, you know, and it's like, whoa. But here's my response back. Maybe this will help you. Don't let that stop you. That's a great question. Would you allow me? A little time, and the next time we get together, I'd like to spend a little bit more time researching that because I just don't want to fly off the handle and just give you just what's on top of my head. I, I want to give you a good answer. I'm going to go back to scripture and I might ask a, a friend or whatever. Go back and do it and come back. That person so much more appreciates that thoughtful answer as you went back. Not only that, we, we know from, you know, uh, another fear often is like, I may mess up the gospel. I mean, it's so important that I, I, I mean, somebody's salvation is on the line here. I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to wear that one. So I'll point them. I'll be a director. You know, we'll, you know I know a pastor <laughs> that can do that. Um, and we'll point them somewhere, right? Very, very common. Others can do it better, so it's yeah, you know, it's better. But you know, most people—that's that's norm. That's pretty. That's pretty typical. 
you know, who, who can do it? Well, you know, um, and nobody's going, I'll do it. I'll sh- let me, I can do it. I got this. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, great passage. I'm not going to read it all. Might want to write it down. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, in addressing fear, Paul, Paul, I mean, you talk about a guy that could argue. I mean, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He understood the other side. Jesus confronted him. I mean, this guy's life has changed. And yet look at him in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. I'm summarizing here. It says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you proclaiming your, the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, but I came in fear and trembling. You know, he was, I, I don't know. But with the power of God, it wasn't like, I'm going to be eloquently, you know, and you're going to be so impressed that I'm going to win everybody over with my lofty speech and, you know, my awesome, you know, napkin, you know, fold out or whatever they had back then, you know, of a, of a gospel presentation, you know. No, he was timid but he understood the power of God and he moved forward and he trusted God in it. 2 Timothy 1.7, write that down. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul, his protege, Timothy, a young buck just giving, trying, okay? Young, but Paul's saying, take courage. What he had learned himself, he's now passing on. As we disciple, we need to pass that on. I know you're going to be, it's, fear is a normal thing. Don't let that stop you. Here's a question. Have you ever prayed that God would help give you a spirit of confidence to overcome that fear as you share Christ? That is a prayer God wants to answer. Are we praying it, friends? Fear's normal. Expect it. Don't let it stop you. Another thing that brings on a lot of fear is sometimes we think we have more to do with it than we really do. Like I said, we we think, well, I don't want to mess it up. Can I confess to you something? 16 years ago, that was me. 38 years old in a small little church in northern, Norman, or northern Oklahoma. Uh, there I was leading. Had, church had one little pastor. And, uh, and I, I, I had a great upbringing in youth, and I just wanted to serve the church. And um, um, so I, I did youth work, you know, and lessons and I knew I knew the Bible and I, I love kids and and here we go. And I'll never forget the time. A uh, young man came up to me, not a church kid by the way. I mean he'd been coming for to our thing for a few months, but didn't come from a family that was churched. Um, but he he came and he said, uh, I I want to I think I want to trust in Jesus. I, I think I want to I want to become a Christian. At that moment, 
I, I knew the importance of what was right in front of me. I mean, I knew it. I mean, it was game on and here we go. But you know what happened? Confession time. I got so flustered. I could not, I could not find John 3.16. I got, I was so worked. I was I, okay, yes. Uh, where's the pastor? Wait, he's teaching in the other part of the building. Uh, is, is one of those women leader groups because they go over here and pray. And uh, hold on, I'll be right, you know, and I'm like, I'm going, where, where are we going to? Uh, it's in Rome, wait, the Romans wrote, wait, the four spiritual laws uh, there. And I got, I got so tongue-tied and twisted. And, I was, and yet I knew, here's, here's somebody that wants to know Jesus. And I want to do, I got to do my part. And I'm like, but I was rattled. I, my stress of my job or whatever, I don't know. I couldn't find anybody. Where are the ladies that are always in this room praying? They're just gone. And I was left with a hungry young man that wanted to know Jesus. And there I was. And it was time, it was kind of, kind of time to do game time and everything. And, and I said, hey, I don't want to go out there. I want to talk about this. Because like, I was like, oh, maybe we can go play and then we come back and give me more time. He's like, no, I think we should do this. So I'm going, yeah, you're right, we should. Um, and so we get, I start open, thumbing through the Bible and I'm just, I'm really, my hands are just shaking. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm saying, God help me, I'm, I'm messed up. I don't know why in times past I could have done this, but right now I'm just a wreck. And this young man starts going, hey, well, maybe, remember a couple weeks ago you were over in Romans. I go, yeah, 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 Romans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he starts going, he goes, I circled this verse here, Romans 3.23. And I go, ha, that's, that's the start. And he started just flipping through the pages and he started getting to places that, and he, I, I had nothing to do with it, okay? But he got there. And what I'm witnessing in front of me is this, this young man getting to the text that I, I couldn't do it. I just, I should have. And I was embarrassed and I was a failure. I flunked my exam on how to share the gospel. But he got there anyway. And I remember after that night, I just told my wife, Pam, and I, I just was like, I'm free. I don't have anything to do with it. God is looking for my faithfulness. I just have to step out. I don't want that to happen again. God, help me. I want to get better. But he had to remove me completely to allow me to see it's him that does the heavy lifting. It's him that saves. All I can do is go forward with the gospel and present it. And it's, if he moves them closer to the gospel, if he moves them closer to Christ, praise God. If they trust in him right then, praise God. If they don't, at that, I'm, I'm throwing some seed down, right? Amen. Amen. We do see different types of models of evangelism in the scripture. We're going to hit these pretty quick because there are different styles. There are different methods. 
There could be someone in here that God is raising up to, to do one of these types of forms of evangelism. One of them is called proclamation. In proclamation, we define it this way. It's communicating the gospel to a group. Maybe a large group, but a group. Where did we see that? Where did we see references in scripture of when that happened? Anyone got to throw out a, you don't have to have a chapter and verse, but anyone? Peter, Peter and Acts. Boom, you got, you, you, <laughs> that was number one on the list. Uh, you get an extra track as you leave. <laughs> um, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Okay. What are some modern day current maybe examples of this type of proclamation gospel? What, what would, I can think of, as I grew up, I grew up watching Billy Graham crusades, okay? And there's not as many of those, especially in this the COVID season that we're in right now. But definitely that would have fit, you know. Uh, but any anything current that's sort of like this, it's a proclamation type. Raise your hand, holler it out. Pastoring, so, so a church, you're right, Ann. We, congregation, the gospel goes forward, it's a proclamation. Okay, what are the requirements, I mean, to do that? I mean, it could be somebody's in here, as God is raising them up to pastor a church. To lead a crusade. I don't know. To share to a great number of people. To be a speaker on a college campus somewhere. I don't know. But he may, be, he may have some here that are gifted for that. Requirements? What, do you, what would you need? Yeah. Yeah, heart's desire and gifting, you know, some training. Um, of those, how many people, you know, around us are right there? Availability. How many people are doing that? Many? Not many? Not many. Few? Yeah, that's great. So this may be, may be you. Maybe God's raising you up for this. It's important. Another one is confrontation. Defined this way, communicating the gospel to a person outside the context of an ongoing relationship. What are some examples of this? Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He just, God calls him, tells him to go, go down here. You meet somebody, boom. And he's like, what are you reading? I'm reading Isaiah. I don't understand it. Let me tell you about it. Boom, person gets saved. Jesus in John 3, this is a famous passage where the Pharisee comes at, Nicodemus comes at night, Nick at night, and comes at night and uh, wants to... Uh, have a conversation, but don't anybody see me. And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. It's a new birth, my friend. But that was it. It was just boom and gone. What about current examples 
of that? What, what would, have you ever been in a situation where you've, that, that's been an opportunity? Has anybody been on a plane and somebody tried to evangelize you? <laughs> plane? Did somebody try to evangelize you, Dan? Or did you evangelize someone? There you go. Yeah. One little sad note, I, I've never been evangelized towards Christianity on a plane, but four times, and I don't fly that much. I'm not like a world traveler. Um, other religions tried to evangelize me. And I, I just said, God, why do you keep doing this? <laughs> I, that was my answer. I, mean, I did say that to God, but you know, the answer that I felt back was, he didn't put them there for them to tell their stuff to me. He's putting me, so I, I just have to shift the conversation. Hey, I know what you're doing. I understand it, but I got to change the conversation. I mean, we're in 40 minutes. We're going to land in Dallas, and, and I got to, you know, here's and, I, and so here we go, the gospel. <laughs> but so requirements. Hey, go into a God conversations uh, class would be great. <laughs> it'll, it'll help prepare you. For a, you know, a, you're not gonna have a long-lasting relationship with somebody, but I'm ready to go. If that if that opportunity presented itself, I could do that, and that's our hope that we can. That we're we're building this confidence, and I can do that. I can share the gospel. Why not? The last one, oh, availability on that. There's there's more, right? In in the the first one, in. Proclamation, there's a few, but in, this, in the confrontation, there are more opportunities for us to do that. But then the last one here is relational, and that's a communicating the gospel to a person in the context of an ongoing relationship, okay? And so in that, we look at passages of Scripture. We see, uh, we see Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1 through 7 describing his, to the church there as he first got to know these people, as the church was being built, he says, but we were gentle among you like nursing mothers taking care of their own children. I mean, it was, it was, we were, we were, <laughs> we cared for you. We nurtured you in that faith. Or Jesus in, in one, in John 1, 14, it's the passage, the the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was here among us. He was with us. He was proclaiming truth. And he was with people in the context and many, as he got to know him and met him, he just started practically telling them about him. So what are the requirements to do that kind of evangelism? Maybe learn a method, learn a learn a uh, a presentation of how to share the the gospel. Go to a God conversations class would be great. And uh, you got to have a gifting. No, you have relationships with others, some friends, some coworkers. Yeah. Now here's the big here's the reveal. How many people can do that? I'm not making you put your hand up, but I'm pretending they're all up in the air. I can do that. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's, a, that's our hope, right? Do you lean towards one of these? Um, I need to kind of go rapid fire through a presentation. And this presentation is called the bad news, good news approach. You're going to have it. And you also, if you walked in, you've got, you've got a, uh, one of these. If you didn't, they're right out here. Uh, one of these little tracks. Um, there's more information in here than is in your notes. But listen, you may have another method, okay, of sharing the gospel. And if you've, you, you know it and you've, you've got it down, the gospel is the gospel. I'm not forcing this one, but it's a method. It's the one I started with 16 years ago when I said, I want to do better at this. And I started meeting with Larry. I'd, I'd read all Larry's books, you know. They're on my fireplace mantle at my house. My dad was just, Larry used to stay at our house, and he's a professor at DTS. I mean, he'd come up and he'd preach at our little church in the middle of the wheat field. And so my family knew him, and, and Larry's like, you need to come down for the evangelism training. I'm like, Larry, I could teach your class, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he said, come down, come down. And God did some special things with me, and and helped me as, as I went down, I received some training and it really, really helped me. And this is what he taught me. He taught me this method. And it, it's really been helpful. It's not the only method. If you've got another one, a favorite, a go-to, okay. Make sure these elements that we talk about are in there, I believe. And if you have ever have a question, ask me. I, I'll help you. But there's there's many styles of the Romans Road or spiritual laws or the Romans 6.23, which we will touch on that verse as well. So this is just a method. We call it the bad news, good news. And sometimes it takes a little, it gets a little heat from, that's just a terrible name. I mean, you got to start with the bad news. Well, it's not good news unless you understand the bad news, right? When you think of Romans 3.23 for... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or Isaiah 59, 2, you know, that because of your iniquities, you are separated from God. There is a separation. That's not good news. Uh, in terms of, you know, you think of good news. If, if you were a, if you went to the doctor, maybe it's an annual checkup, or maybe you skipped a year and you, hey doc, and he hadn't seen you in a year, and you've not gone to any other doctor, and you walk into the doctor's office and and he he says to says to you, you 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 don't have cancer. And you're going, Well, great. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Good news, I get yeah, good news. I'm glad. But if three weeks earlier you were there and he says, hey, we need to take a scan. There's something going on. And they discover a mass on your liver and says, this, is, this isn't good. And we, we've got this experimental thing that we can do, but we've got to start today. And it's going to be a week long. It's, it's going to be tough. And then you're going to have to set out two weeks and we're just going to, we'll see. We'll take another scan and see how it is. It's a long three weeks, isn't it? But after that three weeks, the doctor comes in and you check up and your head's down. He comes in and he goes, I can't explain it. It's gone. 
What? You see, that's good news. Sometimes us as believers, we've been saved so long that we forget the good news that has come our way. We forget the stain of our sin and what we've been rescued from. We are thankful that we're going to heaven, but we have lost our zeal and understanding that a lost person without Christ is destined for hell. So, as a friend of mine says, Mark Burgett, many of you know Mark, it's easy to get someone saved, it's hard to get them lost. Some people don't even see, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, everything's going great, why would I need anything? But let's leave that up to God. Let's still move forward with our gospel conversations. and le- God brings the conviction, that's not our job either. Well, I could tell you how really bad you are. <laughs> no, 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 no. God will do that. You don't need to get in that, go get in the weeds on that. Okay, so I said I was going fast. I'm slowing down. We got to, we got to get to it. Now, I am going to go very fast, but guess what? You've got, you've got this to take home. <laughs> I, I'm asking you, if you don't have a go-to, if you, you know, would you, would you just practice this one? Do it with someone else. Dialogue with someone. But here's how it goes. And you'll know when the time is to unpack this with someone, okay? You're going to lay some groundwork. We have to start. I usually do this in week two. We kind of prime the pump and we're moving forward. But we need to start now because if we don't, if we don't start now, we're going to get it week four. So we need to, I need to be checking on you, making sure we're doing it. Okay, so the good news, bad news. Here's how, it starts with an opening question. The question goes something like, like this. Has anyone ever taken the Bible and shown you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven? There's many people who say, well, I even think I'm going to heaven. <laughs> to what degree? Yeah, it's 80%. Uh, the Bible says these things have been written so that you may know that you have eternal life. The Bible, God wants us to know. Can I take the Bible and show you as an opening line? I have yet to have anybody said uh, no. Now, there's a strategy in this. We use God's word, literally, not just the quoting of it, because we're pretty good at quoting stuff. Got it, got it down. And we can do it really quick, and they, uh, what did you say? But the strategy that I like to use, and it was taught by me, that I give to, is I take the word of God, and I put it in front of them. Is there power in the word of God? Does this, can the spirit work through this? If, if they read more of this and less of me, that's probably a good thing. But you know what? Because of the strategy of just saying, of them looking at the text, I say, let me show you. They know that it's not just a message for me that I just kind of wielded. You know, I've perfected in my, you know, the way my presentation. Now, you're just getting, we're just reading what God's word says. Would you read that for me, too, please? And they're, they're, maybe, maybe they're reading God's word for the first time. And you know what I'm doing as they're reading God's word? And what you can do, you know, I'm praying. Don't worry about you, how, what you pray. Pray something like this. Do it, God. <laughs> Open their heart. Don't let anything distract us. 
Help me to be clear. Open their heart. Do it, Lord. Okay? Because I already know what it says, but I can, I, can, I can be in tune with God and I can be... And then they read it and they go, huh, wow, you know, okay. So the first, has anybody taken the Bible and shown you you can know? For, but we, I use scripture. Then I have a transition point And I say, the Bible contains the, both bad news and good news. The bad news has something to do about us. And the good news has something to do about God. Let's look at the bad news first. The bad news, number one, is sin separates us from God. I turn to Romans 3.23, and I say, would you read that? And they read, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I, I talk about that word sinned. Most people understand that, and I've, um, I've never had anybody say that I've never sinned. But that sinned means, uh, it means miss, missing the mark, okay? That's what that word means in the Greek. Even back in the Bible days, if you had a target and then archers were shooting and they were trying to hit the bullseye, and if they missed it, they would say, sin. Somebody would say, sin, you missed the mark. So it was common to them that you've missed the mark. God's standard is holiness, perfection. We fall short. I did run into one person on a plane one time, and he said, I'm 99% awesome. <laughs> I said, Okay. Maybe I'll have time to share that in one of our future sessions, more about that individual. It's quite an interesting story. But you can be 99% awesome and still fall short. And the illustration that we, we use, it's in, your, it's in, it's in your, uh, this little track. It's the rock illustration. So let me, let me kind of describe what that means. Um, so... Dick, you may have a rock, and we're going we're gonna to hit the Devon Tower. We're going to take a rock, and I got a rock, and we're going to throw it, and we're going to hit the Devon Tower, okay? And you may throw it farther than me, or I may throw it far. Right now with my shoulder, you know that I can't throw it very hard at all. So you're definitely throwing it farther than me. But each one of us are going to fall short. Now, I will tell you, when you're, when you're sharing the gospel with younger people, please choose a, a, a location that's really far away. Because, you know, some young people can go, you know, if the wind was right... I probably can, I probably, you know, they can really get there. So you got to put something way out there. But that's bad news number one, okay, that sin has separated us from God. They read the text, remember. Bad news number two, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. What's a wage, I ask them? What's a wage? And they tell me, it's on my arm. Yeah, I work, I get a wage, I get, yeah, that's right. That, that's, what do we earn by sinning? Death. And we talk about this is not just, this is not just a, a physical death. This is a, a spiritual death and a separation from God. So bad news number one, we've, we've sinned. And they raise their hand and they go, yeah, that. The way the sin is death, a spiritual death, they understand that. And then we have a transition point. Since there was no way for us to come to God, God chose to come to us. God didn't leave us with the bad news. He moved us to the good news. And here's what he, the good news number one. Christ died for you. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. Christ died for us. That word for, Christ died for in the Greek, is instead of us. 
And the illustration that you can use is the illustration with cancer. And the illustration goes something like this. Let's suppose I had cancer and I was dying and there was, nothing, there was no hope for me, but there was this experimental treatment that Dick could come in and he came in and he told the doctors, I want to do it. Brian's a friend of mine. I'm, I, wanna, I, I want you to give me, I want you to give him all my good cells and I want you to put all his bad cells into my body. I want you to do this transfusion. Now we know that's not possible, but if it was, follow me, what would happen to me if I got all his good cells and they took all my cancer out and they gave it to him? I'd live, right, Brian? What happened to Dick? He would die. That's what God did. He died for us. Just like the good news got worse, or excuse me, (laughs) the bad news got worse, the good news gets better. Don't make that slip. (laughs) The good news gets better. You can be saved through faith. You can be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a what? It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one will boast. Sometimes that word faith, faith, what does that mean? That faith, it's belief, it's trust. And the illustration that you can use, it's not the only illustration. You, could, you might get a better one. Uh, I haven't been using the chair recently. It's, it's on my notes here. And you can. Like when you came in, you, you, you just sat down. Chris, I saw you just sit down in that chair. I, I noticed you didn't flip it upside down. I wonder where this was, chair was made. I don't know if it's going to hold me. You just sit down. You just trust that it was going to hold you up. It's not harder than that. The one I've been using recently on, on describing faith is uh, I did in starting point uh, here Sunday is in the pool. I can remember all my kids, you know, the age when it's time to go to the deep end. And here they are going to the deep end. And, and, and it's time to jump to that. And what did they have to do before? They, they to, I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. And, you know, and there they are. They're just right there at the end. And I'm like, come on. And I'm dog battling you over. Like, I'm about going to go under. Come on. You got to do it now. Now's the time. You know, one by one, my kids exercise faith. And they jumped. It was like, hmm. Had I been there for them before? Had I been, had I been faithful to them? The answer, I, hope, hopefully I did, but that's because that's, they, they had enough trust in me to say, I'm in. I'm with you, Dad. And I'm not going to let them go under very long. Of course, that's part of it, right? You got to go, okay, we got you up. Come on up here. <laughs> but that was just, that was, that was a great way to, to, sh- to show faith. So that is the bad news, good news. But you can't leave it there. I, many people I talk to, you, you get them, hey, I got through the bad news, got through the good news, and then they just looked at me like, okay, now what now? <laughs> and we, we, forget this, uh, we forget this one question. I haven't been flipping through my sli- the slides. I apologize. And here's the one that you, 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 don't, you can't forget this one. 
Is there anything keeping you from trusting in Christ right now? Let's expect God to work. Let's just put it out there and see what he does. Let's just ask him. And often the people, you know, I, now sometimes there's a, you know, I, um, I'm scared or I need to talk to my husband or there's, re, there's sometimes good reasons. It's like, okay. Um, but, but the follow-up and the, and the and invitation to, is, is sometimes left out. We get all the information out there. We're so, we did it. <laughs> and then invite him to trust Christ. Let's do this. So what's Christ, God, asking the non-Christian to do? Have knowledge of who Christ is, acceptance of his person and work, and trust in Christ alone to save. The first two we do with our minds. We have knowledge, who is God? He, okay, God sent his son, his son, you know. Then we accept his person and work. We say, we embrace that what he did on the cross and his power over the grave, we say, he did it. I believe it. But how many people start stop short of just one? They get one and two. I'm, I'm in. But they get down here to this three: trust in Christ to save, Christ alone to save. Ah. Because it's it's all three. It's not two out of the three. If you fall short of this, if you're not putting your trust in Jesus. Say, not my way, that's repentance, not my way. I hear this message, it's right, and I'm gonna follow Jesus. Repentance is turning from the old and setting a new course towards Christ. And they go, I'm, I'll think about it. I mean, those other two things are good, but if I don't get in, I don't get in the boat. Think of the Titanic going down. I mean, people go, oh, yeah, I've heard that lifeboats save, and they, they might you know, save some people, but I... I don't know, you know. Well, I see it. Yeah, sure it is working for those people. Well, that's good. But another one comes along and you have an opportunity to get in and you're just, and you're waffling. You know, so that's what God is asking the non-Christian to do. Okay. We doing okay? About ready to wrap it up. Here's the close. In August of 2018, my daughter was in a similar position as another couple in this auditorium, engaged to be married to a young man named Nick, who I just love. And Reagan and I had, and it was going to be, it's eight months away. I got, I got one more. We, we've talked about a trip together, doing something together, doing something fine. And I said, let's do it. Let's, 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 go, let's go hiking. And um, she had started a business even back then as a wedding, wedding videographer. And so she traveled around and was going places. And so, hey, I'll help you at your wedding. I'll be that second shooter, you know, and, yeah, which pretty much means stand at a tripod and then just push a button. And she very limited. She didn't let me do much. Um, but I said, hey, we could take a few days and we'd go on a hike and we could, you know, and so she says, yeah, let's do it. So we did. And it was, it was outstanding. We did some horseback riding. We, we hiked. Um, we did, we had a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, notice the, the, this trail that, that we're on right here, it's, it's called Last Chance Trail. I just noticed that when I put this together, Last Chance. But there we are, you know, 
four hours in, we get to the top, and I'd been to this place before on some hunting expedition, so I kind of knew the trail, knew where to go, and I, I wanted to show her this lake. I wanted to show her this place. And we get there, and I kind of planned this out, but I read to her Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands and you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And after that, I asked my daughter, I said, Reagan, would you be willing? Reagan had been going to these Bible Institute classes. and I said, would you be willing to pray a dangerous prayer? She's like, maybe. I said, think about it. Minute or two, okay, Dad. Would you be willing to pray a dangerous prayer? And this is the prayer I ask her to pray. A prayer I had much confidence that God would answer. God, within the circle around me, would you lay one person on my heart that I might intentionally move into a closer relationship with in the hopes of having an opportunity to share the gospel. She goes, yeah, I'll pray it. Next week, you'll find the results out next week. What happened? You gotta come back. Next week, we're going to hit on the two key principles of evangelism, three barriers that keep us from embracing, keeps people from embracing Christ. Knowing these barriers will help us maneuver around some obstacles. And then you'll find out the results of the dangerous prayer. Deal? Deal. You coming back? All right, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Fathers, thank you so much for your grace that's come to us. You are sovereign. You brought the gospel to our ears. You wooed us to yourself. We responded with faith. Thank you for inviting us into your family. Just as those who shared Christ with us, may we increase our efforts of sharing Christ with those who you put in our context, those who you lay on our hearts. Lord, my prayer for this group is that they too would look at this dangerous prayer and consider it. Maybe some here 
would say, I'll pray that prayer. God, within the circle around me, would you lay one person on my heart that I might intentionally move into a closer relationship with you, with them, in the hopes that I could have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Lord, do that with me. Pray that you do that with my friends. For those listening at home, do it with them. May we see a harvest ahead, Lord, that you produce. You do the heavy lifting. But help us to be excited about the opportunity to proclaim truth, step forward in faith, and leave the results up to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week.